Good afternoon. Uh, here we are in very warm Southern California, and we're talking. I am talking this morning to Bruce Ferber, the author of Cascade Falls, and the writer of many hours of comedy that all of us have enjoyed. And uh, it's because I wrote, I guess, A Tale of Two Citizens, and we know people in common, that I have the pleasure of finally talking to you. I first heard, when I when my book came out, uh, my friend Marley, she said, my friend Bruce says you absolutely have to get, be part of the Jewish Book Council. I had never heard of it. And that started a ripple effect, like everyone I ran into said, have you joined the Jewish Book Council? Or you are going to be in the Jewish Book Council. So, But you were the first person that I heard about it from. And uh, after a great deal of resistance, just because, um, I don't know, um, I guess the cost of it and the two-minute pitch thing, I just couldn't be there in May. Um, but anyway, at the very last minute, after the point where you have to, of course, pay a late fee, <laughs> right. I became I became part of it. So I didn't um, I didn't go in May, which I think is a huge detriment. Uh, can you tell me a little about it? What your experience has been with it now that I'm actually speaking to you? It, it's one of the most annoying book events that a, that an author can go to, and I say this not. I mean, they're a great organization because they send people all over the country with their books, and I'm, you know, doing some events for them for Cascade Falls, my new book. But just from the point of view of having to go there and what you do once you're there. Do you know what the, that whole thing is, what's involved? Well, I know it's a two-minute pitch. Right, it that's sounds what it is. to me it's like speed pitch. dating, right? Mm-hmm. It's speed dating, a two-minute pitch to about 250 people, and mm-hmm. in that time you have to kind of describe your book a little bit, talk a little bit about who you are, and uh, in my case try to be a little funny. You know, that that's what right. I what I do at these things. All right. And, right. you know, there's never any guarantee that you're going to get picked. And then after you do your two-minute pitch, you know, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour session, and then you go and you kind of schmooze with the people from all the different JCCs and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I wish that you had been there because your book is just ideal for them, you know. You know My book is not were... a particularly Jewish book. This book, right, Cascade right. Falls. Because your new, your new uh, protagonist, is he Jewish? Danny no. Johnson? No. Even though everything no, goes wrong for him, Jewish. he's still not Jewish. <laughs> he's, he's not Jewish at all. Well, you know, um, right, right. But it's open it's to like, Jewish authors and books about Jewish material. Um, and, you know, they just hear me open my mouth and they know I'm a Jewish author. They see my name. They see how short I am. It, it, all, it all works from that point, that point of view. Right. Um, I mean, they were very yeah, but, honest with me that if I didn't come, I had very little chance of ever being sent out. And they have lived up to their word because I have not gotten any bites at all, which makes sense. I mean, if the various venues don't get to lay eyes on you and talk to you, um, you know, why pick you over people who they have talked with and schmoozed with, as you said? So, you know, you just hope for a miracle. So far, it hasn't occurred. So it's, um, you know, you know and, and be, ca- my... be careful what you wish for, Elise. <laughs> be careful what you wish mm-hmm. for, because this is what happens. I mean, I okay. 
I had done a bunch of things with them, a bunch of events with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some are good, some are not so good. And, you know, here's how the ones that are not so good go, just so you know what you're missing. Um, okay. And I, last, with my last book, they sent me to Boca Raton. And I am actually going back to Florida, to Boynton Beach this time. But in Boca Raton, they had a crowd of about 75 people to come and hear me speak, which wow. is a good crowd for something like this. Oh. Um, within five minutes of me opening my mouth, I would say at least 10 people were asleep. Ah. And it's not because of, you know, I, I, I can't be that boring in five minutes, but the demographic is basically like 80 to 120. Right. <laughs> so, and, you know, so I went and I did my... You're lucky you kept 65 people... people. You kept 65 people awake. I, that's good. Well, 65 out of 75, yeah. yeah. So, But it, it, it was very funny because when it was all over, um, the fellow who picked me up at the airport, who was in his 40s, who was a great guy, he told me how mm-hmm. terrific I was. And I said, you know, Steve, what are you talking about? Like 10% of the audience was asleep. He said, oh, that mm-hmm. happens at every, everything that goes on at the synagogue. When they ask the rabbi how big is the sanctuary, he tells people it sleeps 600. So <laughs> that's what that's what you're dealing with, <laughs> right? No, I mean the annoying still... part, Elise, is that you, the annoying part is that you pay a lot of the money, and when you don't get any results for it, it feels awful. But then you go and you do it, and it's not that big a deal. It's not like you're going to sell a ton of books at these things because a lot right. of these people they don't buy, so you know they come and listen to you because right. it fills up an evening, but um, they're not right, necessarily right. going to pay for your book. Um, well, you so know, I guess that's my experience. <laughs> I see. So it hasn't sold that many books for you. It's funny because a number of people who kept saying you have to do it, I would say, well, does the invest? Because it's not inexpensive at all. And I, I asked, does the investment pay off in book sales? And everyone said no. But you should do it. Right. You should do it. You should do it. So. So well, that's I have the to... story. That's the story of my life as an author. That there mm-hmm. are a lot of things that I do that never pay off, but in my mm-hmm. case, I kind of don't expect them to pay off. You know, um, Rare Bird is my publisher, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, they are responsible for getting me into bookstores, which I never would have done if I had self-published. But there are people who really believe in the self-publishing thing, and they market it. They market themselves in a way that they actually, you know, they, they lower the price of their books to ninety-nine cents or whatever, I and know, with yeah. that kind, and they do volume, you know, so they actually are able to to make money and make them make their money back, um, you know. So, but for me, I felt it was important to have some kind of publishing, but more of a legitimacy. You know, as much as I could, and Absolutely. you know, I may sacrifice certain you know dollars that I could be making. It's n- it's not going to be big money for the you know. I don't write genre, I don't write crime novels and chick lit or mm-hmm. mystery or anything like that. So, I mean, I it's a trade off. It, it really is. Well, but would you say that overall your trips through the Jewish Book Council have been positive? I mean, you meet people, you travel, you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my whole my whole um, theory of all of this, at least, is that I will go anywhere 
that they will pay me to to, to for my travel because Jewish Book Council mm-hmm. you don't get an honorarium but they pay your travel and your expenses. Right. So well, you know, it takes a yeah. couple. Yeah. So so it's been for the most part great, and I think for the first book. I've kind of I kind of learned a little bit about what it's like, you know, because when I became an author, I never in a million years imagine, imagined that I would have to be a public speaker. I mean, the whole reason I started writing novels was to get away from Hollywood and you know dealing with actors, right. and you know I just wanted to sit in my room and write. But the fact of the matter is, in today's world, you know, for people to know about your book, you have to be able to go out and talk about it and talk intelligently. And so it forced me out there. And, and I have to admit that it wasn't something that I wanted to do, but, you know, I sort of learned to enjoy. And, and I'm leaving um, Thursday to go to a book festival in Pennsylvania that has nothing to do with the Jewish Book Council, but this was based mm-hmm. on another speaking engagement that I did where I got invited and somebody heard me speak and they said, would you like to come to our book festival outside of Pittsburgh? And I said, sure. So that's what I'm doing. Sure. That's great. That's great. I mean, I've gotten a couple of temple gigs through people I know. Like my temple, maybe you should you know, just write to them. And so I am um, doing some work with Jewish venues. But again, even though the book has as its protagonist um, a Jewish immigrant, um, I don't see the book as a necessarily, yes, it lends itself beautifully to the Jewish Book Council, but it's also about immigration and um, the attitudes towards immigrants. And God knows with all the refugee things that are going on now from Syria, um, you know, even this one little modest guy that I write about is kind of symbolic of the attitudes that people who want to belong somewhere, that's all they want to do. They're leaving a place that was not hospitable, and of course right. there are degrees of that, um, for a place where they can make a better life. And the animosity that they have to confront is, you know, tragic in some cases, and right. just terribly sad and others. So uh, when I wrote the book, it was really um, it's based on some documents that I found that belonged to my father. I never knew him. And when my mother died, I found an envelope full of letters and wow. photographs and a U.S. Congress deportation hearing with my father's name on it. So it's like the U.S. government tried to deport him in 1939, back to Poland. Great. <laughs> so it was like, wow, what a what a thing I came upon, and it was um, really the first time that I thought I would try my hand at a novel. I mean, I had dabbled in other things, but I had already going back to what you were saying about um, public appearances. It is kind of a paradox because we do become writers so that we can kind of hide in a room and just make things up. And uh, although, you know, working with a partner is a lot of fun, too. That's another side of your um, career that we'll talk about. But um, so the whole idea after we've done that of just, you know, for me, I love the research because I um, usually write about times other than the one I'm living in. Um, 
you know, it's it's exciting and it's wonderful and it doesn't involve the public at all. You're just doing it right. at your own pace and, you know. And then when the book comes out, now what happened with me, my first book was, um, well, it was really my second book. My first actual book was called Father Loss, and it was about the impact of growing up without a father. So it wasn't just about my personal experience. I did research, and I talked to hundreds of women, and you know, it was the first book about fatherless daughters. So... Right. It just went with the territory that I did a lot of speaking. You know, I did radio and television and, um, you know, various psychological. I went, did grand rounds at Cedar sinai which was intimidating as can be. Um, but it just had, a, you know, it was one of those topical books that just what came with it was public appearances. And I found that I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the feedback from the audience, the give and take and, um mm-hmm. You know, it was also stepping out of the office <laughs> was kind yep. of nice. So I know yep, that that absolutely. goes with the tariff, right? And even though yep, it's, it's called upon, bag. I don't yep. know. Do you, yeah, and, you know, I've also been a teacher, so I'm used to kind of speaking in front of people, answering questions and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I like both enormously. It's kind of fun to retreat into my cave, um, you know, for a certain amount of time. And then uh, you know, do the other half of it, which is you, right. know, you want the book get out into the world. You don't deliver it yep. just to have it, you know, sitting on your bookshelf. So um, that it's just I think you have to accept that responsibility. And so that that brings us to, and I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but here we go again. Um, the difference you find between writing with a partner, like let's say Marley. Um, or, you know, the collaboration that is sitcom writing versus um, the isolation that's involved in writing fiction? Well, the isolation, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because when you're writing for sitcoms, you're always compromising. And you're compromising. I mean, if all that you had to compromise with was your writing partner, that would be fantastic. But you're right, compromising right. with, you know, network studios, actors, and, you know, it's it's very, very hard to get your vision out or even let, forget even letting other people know who you are as a writer, but Marley and I did this both for a long, long time, and, you know, if, if you find yourself writing shows for other people, not only is the world not getting to hear your voice, you tend to forget what your voice is because you're so busy right. trying to blend in with what other people want. So mm-hmm. what happens is after you've done it long enough, you say, you know what, who am I? What's my voice? What do I have to say? Mm-hmm. And if you're a lucky person, you can, you know, write a, a pilot and, you know, have it become Breaking Bad. You know, where he's talented, but he also got the right breaks to get his vision on the air. And, mm-hmm. you know, after you've done television a long, long time and you decide to sit down and write a novel, it's liberating. You get to write whatever you want, however you want it, your characters, and people get to see, you know, kind of who you are artistically and creatively. Do you think you're going to stay with fiction because you did Overman and now, you, you know, elevating Overman and now you have Cascade Falls? So you're obviously, and you did, I mean, Cascade Falls came out pretty quickly, 
right? After well, Overman. I don't know. I think it may be more that, that Overman came out slowly. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I, I'm trying to, like, figure out how it, it does look like. One book came out in 2012 and the next one in 2015. And, you know, the, the publishing lead time is a really long time. So I don't really know how that all That's happened and, and whatever. But I don't think it was as quick as it seemed somehow. Um, mm-hmm. But... You know, I'm gonna. I'm trying to. I'm working on another one, and uh, we'll see. You know, it, it's very. I mean, I don't have to tell you when you go in that room by yourself, and you're, you've got a long haul ahead of you, looking at kind of a blank screen. It's it's tough. It, it, it's tough to keep the motivation to do this because obviously it doesn't pay the way television pays. So it's just all about the will to write. And, you know, keeping yourself interested, keeping the demons out of your head, you know, tell the, where you say to yourself, why am I even bothering doing this? You know, I mean, every writer goes through that. Um, so I'm just trying to enjoy it is, is what I'm doing. Right, right. And well, I find that I not a, I I kind of look forward to it, you know. It's like I come in here and... Even though I said it was, it's isolated in the real world, but in the world of the actual of the actual process, um, you know, it's very peopled, and all the people are are characters that you've created. So they, and I find that they make very very good company. That's good. Um, yeah. That's that's a, a good point, and uh, you know, sometimes. I like my characters. Sometimes I don't like them so much. You know, when I'm starting out, it's hard for me to 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 say, well, is this the right person? Is is you know, is this really what I want to say? I mean, I have to be kind of aware of what my goal is in writing something um, for me mm-hmm. to be fully invested in it. And a lot of times, it it takes a lot of searching to to figure out what I want to be writing about. Uh, do you go in usually with a theme or with a character or with a situation? I mean, it, it sounds like with Overman, you really needed to figure some things out personally for yourself. And um, Yeah, I did. That... I did, and I started that with a character. And mm-hmm. the, the strangest thing about that was I started with this character who was nothing at all like me. And then as I got further and further into the book, you know what was what was going on in his life started to mirror what was going on in my life, and it just kind of worked out. Um, but that one, I kind of created the character and let the character take me through the story. With Cascade okay. Falls, it was a little different because it was it's a multi-character piece told from different points of view, and mm. I I really had to be a little more um, organized in that. Right. And sometimes it's interesting to get. I, I also, in uh, Taylor Two Citizens, tell it from. It's not. It's not first person. It's like third person subjective. Right. So, uh, you know, the narrator always knows a little bit more than just what this one character would know. But half the book is from the point of view of um, an immigration official whose values I do not share, <laughs> whose priorities I do not admire. But I had to get you know get into the way he was thinking, and um, 
and I discovered that I, I sympathized with him. I didn't pity him for his stupidity, um, but it's like he's a guy too, and he's trying to do what he thinks is right. And, right. Um, you know, so it was kind of um, um, enlightening and unburdening to get into the head of someone who I probably would, you know, argue with um, if we ever got into any kind of discussion. But I, getting inside his head was, you know, a good, a good thing for me. It's good to see yeah, things. Yeah, in from my book, in, Cas- in Cascade Falls, uh, I have a character who's Ted Johnson, Danny's father, who is a developer of mm-hmm. all of these kind of cookie cutter houses in the Southwest. And to to me, you know, the things that he's building are sort of an atrocity, but to mm-hmm. him. And to the people who buy them, he's giving them a piece of the American dream because it's affordable, you know, and they can finally have right. a house to call their own and be able to retire. So it was the same type of thing where I got into his head. You try to figure out well, what's driving this guy. And it's a very mm-hmm. good thing for a writer to do because the best writing, in my mind, um, is gray. It's not black and white. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely, and the and the best characters too. That right. even someone you totally admire does something that you would question. You know, uh, I just mm-hmm. finished reading a novel where that happened. Um, you know, like you're following this young girl, and she's just she just is so envious of her best friend, and she sees everything in light of well, is it as good as her, and am, am I as smart as her, and and it's like it's not a very good quality. But to be, for an author, to tap into it so that you feel it and even say, yeah, I've been like that sometimes, you know, um, that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. That's part of what the writing thing is. Um, do you think you're going to ever go back to sitcom writing? I don't, I don't think I'll ever go back to it in the way that I did, which was like running shows. And, you know, right. if somebody asked me to go consult on a show, I will do it. But... Um, the way the business is today, you know, they can get somebody to work five days a week for the amount uh, they would pay me to work, you know, two or three. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. And it would have to be with people that I knew, I guess, who would know me to even offer me the gig at this point mm-hmm. because I don't put myself out there. Um, you know, it's really it's great fun. I mean, a couple of years ago, somebody asked me to consult on a show. I worked two days a week. I had a fantastic time. Um, and it's great to get out of the house every now and then. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, but as far as really actively, aggressively, you know, trying to get a show on the air, no. I don't know. Uh-huh. I think it's for for the youth at this point. Right. You've done that. And um, I have feel that way about teaching. Um, is I really – but but I have a better maybe – feeling about teaching than you do. I mean, the independence of the college teacher, you know, you just plan what uh-huh. you're going to talk about, and you've got all these very willing and um, lovely students to work with. I taught at Cal State Northridge, where the student body was particularly um, not entitled, you know. They really worked, and they knew how lucky they were to be in school, and by and large, they were... Um, first generation to be in college. 
And in fact, I would say that their collective attitudes and consciousness fed my enthusiasm and understanding for what it means to be an immigrant. So kind of the interactions with them was very helpful to the writing. And I did most of the writing on this particular book while teaching, which was like hard, <laughs> very hard. But that's really what some of vacations are for. Yeah, very hard. And, you know, when you get home and you have three dozen essays and short stories to read and a character that is crying out to, you know, find out whether he gets to go to America or not, <laughs> it's like, what do you do? You have to do the papers because... You know, you have these students waiting for your response, and they work pretty hard on their material. And um, so your writing kind of takes a back seat. But I sometimes think I wouldn't mind going back just to teach a course um, because it's a very um, nutritious kind of way to spend your time is working with students. So, um, and the book you're working on, how, uh, what is the kind of general area of it. We've had a failed marriage. All, and a, all I can and tell you right now birth. is that it, it, all I can tell you now is that there's a, a lot of first person, multiple points of view and a lot uh-huh. of it is first person from the point of view of a woman. So it's been very challenging for me to do this. Um, and that's part of the reason that I guess I, I wanted to try it because I'm mm-hmm. always looking to do different kinds of things and you know, we'll see. I mean, it could be uh, a complete train wreck, and uh, if that's possible, I, I mean, if that turns out to be, uh, I can put it aside and you know do something else. But um, do you have? Well, I think now, it's great that you're trying that. Do you have someone? You know, Stephen King. He wrote a very good book. I don't know if you've read it on writing. It's quite good. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And. Um, he he preaches that you absolutely have to have one or two people that are your readers. You know, uh-huh. that never think that you you just like you finished your draft and now you can send it off. It's really so productive. So, do you have anyone like that who reads your material? Yeah, Mar- Marley is one of those people. Is that right? Oh, great. Yeah, Marley Marley reads for me, and I've got a couple of other people who. Uh, are just terrific and you know it's it's mm-hmm. it is a great thing to have yeah very helpful just like as i say fresh eyes and uh the one thing that my husband is actually pretty good um for reading my stuff and for me i mean it's interesting that you say that writing a female character is so challenging it was very challenging to write a character who's based on my father's experience, not on him, because mm-hmm. I never knew him, but based on his experience. So I was basically breathing life into this man whose absence has been the center of my life. And right. um, so I showed Jeff the pages, like the first few chapters, and he said, in which um, Harry is supposed to be in his early 20s, and he said, this is a person in their 30s or 40s. You really have to make him younger. And that was that to me was the challenge of the book, is to write a character based on my father about, you know, I think, well, he died in his 40s. He married my mother when he was 40. 
So the 40-year-old version of him, those are the only photos I have, and that's the only thing I can imagine. I, I think I have a memory of him, but whether it's a real memory or not, I'll just insist it is. But to make him make a believable, him. very young guy, that was the challenge. So it was, it was terrific. It was good. I went over it and over it and kept making him less and less mature, I suppose you'd say. Um, and, uh, but again, writing from a male point of view was, and a young male point of view was, um, mm-hmm. but, that, but that's part of the, I think that's part of the fun of it is actually initially getting it wrong and then having to go back over it and then, you know, you're really cooking when it just seems more correct. All right. So I uh, wish you the best of luck. It was a really pleasure to talk to you. And do you have you any too, JBC? Lisa. Thanks. Have any trips planned? Um, other than book stuff. I mean book stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I suppose I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm going to Pennsylvania. Um, that's Thursday. right. That's right. Okay. And. Uh, and that's Thursday, and then I'm going to St. Louis through the uh, JBC in November, and mm-hmm. I'm going to Boynton Beach, Florida through them in March, and uh, maybe some stuff in between. I don't know yet, but uh, well, we'll that's see. good. Okay, well, I didn't do the two minutes, and uh, there you go. But I hope everybody should only stay awake. <laughs> that's just what I wish for you, <laughs> and. Um, Fun to talk to you. Uh, Fun to talk to you. Thank you very much. What I'll tell you, you, Elise, is that these things that you're doing for the different synagogues, it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're basically the same events that you would get. If if the only difference would be you'd you'd have to get on a plane and go to you know go to Florida, but if you can if you're comfortable talking at these different venues, they're the same venues with the same people and who can buy the same book. So uh, I wouldn't feel bad about it. And, uh, you know, if you can get yourself out there, do it. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting myself out there. And yeah. I want to say the titles of our books so that we can round it off with the work that we've done. Uh, Cascade Falls by Bruce Ferber. And A Tale of Two Citizens by Elise Wakerman. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.